Thank you all for coming out on a stormy, rainy night. It's always way more easy to stay home and uh, curl into your couch and you know do, do something else. So it's a sacrifice, I know, to be here on a Wednesday night, and I want you to know that I appreciate it, and it's great to see everybody. Tonight, I want to wrap up our short study on training our children for worship by doing two things. One is just to give some final encouragements and then to add to uh, some of the things we already talked about as far as preparations at home and things we can do at home, um, some possible liturgies that you can use at home, little short things that you can do at home uh, to train before Sunday morning. Uh, I want to read Joel 2. Uh, from Joel 2, verse 12, we studied the Minor Prophets last spring. Pastor Peter took us through the Minor Prophets, so um, the themes of Joel should be uh, fresh. But from Joel 2, Now therefore, says Yahweh, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for Yahweh your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to Yahweh weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Yahweh, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then Yahweh will be zealous for his land and pity his people. Yahweh will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach, a reproach among the nations." Thus far, the reading of God's word. As you remember when Pastor Peter was taking us through the Minor Prophets, the prophet Joel describes a time of absolute devastation in Judah. A locust plague has wiped out all the crops, all the trees, all the vines, all the grass. No vegetation means no bread, no fruit, no, uh, no nothing on the vines means no wine. And then the livestock are also suffering. There's no milk, there's no meat, no bread and no wine means normal worship is interrupted. Not only that, but the, the bridegrooms and the brides are grieving in Joel because you can't do weddings. You can't do the normal things that bring joy and meaning to life. So everything is disrupted and it's as if in Joel, the world is returned to this pre-creation state. Everything is without form and void. And in the midst of this darkness and in the midst of this turmoil, God calls his people, all of them, to gather in his presence and confess their sins. He wants all of them there, from the smallest to the greatest, from the youngest to the oldest. So when he calls his people to appear before him, this isn't just grown-up work that he wants them to do. Everybody, the whole family is to appear before God. No one gets a pass. He wants the kids there, even the nursing babies. You said, why? They don't know what's going on. No, 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 he wants them there. And then it's after this call to worship that God promises, when you do this, I'm gonna hear you, 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to remove the curse. I'm going to remove the reproach. And then he says later in that same chapter, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So he promised, he calls all of us together. He calls all of the babies and all of the old people and everybody together. And then he says, I've got something for you. I've got a blessing for you. I've, I've got forgiveness for all of you. I've got my spirit for all of you. So worship, as you all know, you've heard me say this until you're, it's, you know, going in one ear and out the other, but I'm going to keep repeating it. Worship is not simply an intellectual exercise. Worship is not a spectator event. Are there things to hear? Absolutely. There must be a coherent reading of God's word. And like we read about Nehemiah a couple of weeks ago, um, when they read from the law and they made it clear and they gave understanding, there are things to hear but there are also things to do in worship. When we appear before God, we are active, we are engaged, and there are things that God is doing for us in the assembly and things he's doing for our children that we don't want to miss. I don't want to miss it for anything. There's nothing on television. There's, there's nothing going on at the soccer field or at the baseball park. There's nothing going on anywhere. It's any better than what happens when God's people assemble before him, because he uh, receives us and our children. I mean, everything that I'm about to say is for us and our children. He forgives us and our children. He speaks to us and our children. He hears our prayers. He feeds us. He blesses us, us and our children. Worship is the clearest point on earth where heaven and earth meet. So we're bringing our children with us into the heavenlies, into God's courts, and so we're leaving the world's disorder and we're coming into heaven's order as uh, the, the land in Joel's day, it was upside down. And, and God calls them to leave the devastation and leave the darkness and leave the suffering and come into his presence, um, come into heaven's order, leaving the world's disorder behind. And so as in Joel's day today, this assembly is a realm of normalcy and communion with God and his people is a restoration of normalcy. It, it's, this, it's this ordinary world that we enter uh, in a time of extreme weirdness and disruption outside of our assembly. And of course, all of us who've lived through the last three years wasn't worship really just about the only normal thing we did for about two years. Worship was about the only normal thing we had. And that's exactly what God gives them in Joel. So here's why I want to remind you of this. is because I want us all, every one of us, whether you've got babies on your lap or your kids are grown, I want all of us to keep this perspective of what God is doing for us and for our children in worship. It's essential to understand why we put all of this work in to begin with, um, in training our children for worship. If God gives you children, he is assigning you the high and holy duty of raising those children as worshipers from the beginning. And I want us all to recognize and all of us to appreciate that that is work. That when you see parents training their children, you say, yep, that's work. I remember that. That was hard. 
that was tough. And that when you're in the middle of it, you also acknowledge, yeah, this, this, this is work. Now and for the next few years, my primary focus, when God gives me a child, my primary focus is not to kind of sit in the worship and simply soak up uh, the sermon or to, to get a break from my kids or, or just if I can just get to, the kids to shut up so I can focus on what's going on. My duty on the Lord's Day, I have this work to do. My duty for the next few years is to train them as mature worshipers. It's part of what it means to be a priest, right? If, if we believe in the priesthood of the believer, what do priests do? Priests assist others in worship. That's what priests are called to do. And you are given this duty to assist this row of little people in worshiping. That is your calling on the, on the Lord's Day. So I want to encourage everybody, whether your kids are little or big, that we're all embracing this work together. This is work and we, we love it. <laughs> this is work, and it's our work. It's what God has given us to do. It's what God has signed us up for. This training is our responsibility, and it's difficult. Like all work, it's difficult, and, it, and it's good. It is difficult to train squirmy, noisy kids. But I'm doing this with an eternal perspective on what God is doing with me and my kids, that, that these children have these eternal souls made for worship. That's why God created them. That's why God gave them to us is so we'd raise them up as worshipers. So, so I get to get them started on what they're going to be doing for eternity. As a parent, I get to do this thing for them that they're going to be doing forever. So if we could all reorient our minds around that, that I'm not just going to church with my kids just to get through it. I'm not going to worship just to slog through keeping loud kids quiet. No, that's, that's not what we're doing. I am presenting myself and my family before God. I'm presenting us before God and before his holy throne as worshipers with the trust that he's going to bless my faithfulness. That's what in Joel, he calls them before him and he says, here's what I'm going to do when you assemble before me. I'm going to lift the curse. I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to bless you when you're coming before me. He is going to bless our faithful efforts to train them, to actively train them for worship. Now, again, the other encouragement is that it seems like this takes forever when you're in the middle of it. But I promise you that if you're faithful, you're going to look back one day and it's all going to be a hazy memory. It's all going to, oh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can remember certain things. I remember other things that, that happened over the years, but I don't remember, you know, it, it becomes this kind of far distant, you know, thing that um, it, it's not present like it is uh, with you when you're in the middle of it. The, the point is, is that if you be faithful and you're consistent and diligent, one day you'll have children with whom it is a joy to worship, and it won't be, it won't be a slog. Just like um, you, there, there comes a day where you don't have to tie shoes anymore, right? <laughs> there comes a day where, where you don't have to wipe noses anymore. You don't know when that day happened, but you look back and say, I remember wiping noses, and I remember tying shoes. I remember, but, but when did that stop? I don't, I don't remember. I just remember that in the past. Yeah, I remember, I remember having hard times on Sunday morning, but that's, that's, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so just uh, 
an encouragement for everyone to orient ourselves around the purpose and the duty of this. And then, and then finally, just um, some quick thoughts about preparing at home for worship on the Lord's Day. We've had some discussion about this and we had some questions about it over the last couple of weeks as well. And it occurred to me that if I were doing this all over again, there might be some other things I would try. Some of this I did, but this is more systematic than, than what I, we did when the kids were little. So if I were doing it again today, here are some things I would try. You take a bulletin home with you, and in just a couple minutes a day, just a couple minutes a day, I'm not talking about you know, an hour and a half, I'm talking about five minutes a day, you can practice various parts of the liturgy. You have five days, Monday through Friday, and you have five parts of the liturgy, five, five applications to obedience and worship in your home. And, and this is how, um, this is something I would try. By the way, when I started family worship, when my daughter was, you know, six months old, a year old, it was also about the time I was becoming a big liturgy nerd. So I, I, I'd get the Book of Common Prayer, and I'd get the lectionary, and I tried to do this whole hour and a half uh, liturgy with a six-month-old or an eight-month-old, and it was absolutely a disaster. And um, I was wearing out my wife and child. And then, and then over the years, it got simpler and simpler and simpler. And um, I asked my pastor at the time, I said, what is your advice on family worship? And he said, kiss. I said, what? Kiss? K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, that's what he said. Keep it simple. And that's, that's what I uh, learned was the, the best approach. You can get a lot done in five or ten minutes is the point. So five parts of the liturgy, five days, Monday through Friday, Monday morning uh, at the breakfast table or Monday evening at the supper table. You look at the first part of worship, the call to worship. Uh, you can talk about how God calls us. He calls us in salvation. He calls us to obey him. He calls men and women in the Bible to do special things for him. Talk about, and, and this is something you do over many weeks, but talk about God's call and how, how God calls us to worship and how important it is to come when you're called. That's one of the most important lessons you can teach a small child. When mommy calls you, you must come to me. When daddy calls your name, you stop what you're doing and you listen to what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you're running out toward the street and I call your name, Billy, come here, you come. You listen to my voice. Um, uh, you, you stop what you're doing. When I call you, when I call your name, Susie, you say, yes, mommy. You say, you say yes, daddy. You stop what you're doing. That's, that call to worship is a good time to uh, have a little memory verse. Habakkuk 2.20. Yahweh is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So, so let's practice being quiet for 30 seconds. Let's practice being quiet for a minute. In a couple weeks, practice being quiet for 90 seconds. Um, think of other applications to how important it is to respond to God's voice, how important it is to respond to dad's voice and listen to mom's voice and to obey when you're called. All of this instruction you can pack into Monday Monday is about the call to worship, to listen, to hear. Uh, maybe there's some ready applications. Remember when I told you to carry out the garbage and you didn't carry out the garbage? Remember when I told you to pick up your socks? and you, Well, you didn't hear. And this is why it's so important to hear. Monday is the call to worship. Tuesday, 
You look at the prayer of repentance. You talk about how important it is to confess your sins, to, to tell the truth. That's what we're doing in confessing our sins is we're, we're saying the reality is that we're sinners in need of, we're in need of forgiveness. How important it is to forgive each other, to confess our sins to God. You can pray, if you have children who can't read yet, you can pray the prayer slowly for them and with them and over them. We deliberately use the same prayer for about a month at a time. If you notice, the prayer of confession we keep that for several weeks in a row, and it's so that little readers and young readers can, can kind of catch up, and they start to pick up on some, um, some phrases. And we use about seven of those over and over and over uh, that we switch out over the years. So, so new readers can follow along and maybe memorize parts of it. This is something we did do with, uh, with our kids, is that um, we would sing the little parts of the liturgy that we sing every week, the Sanctus, the Doxology, the Gloria Patri. Um, and the reason that's relevant is because in this part of worship, we sing the Sanctus. Well, here's a little song that every, every kid can learn. Um, we, would, we would use the service music. We'd sing it in the car. We'd sing it to them when we put them to bed. We'd sing it when we got, it, got them up. We'd sing Doxology and Gloria Patri and Sanctus and, and um, the Magnificat and uh, the, the Nuke Dimittis and these other, other little pieces so that in worship, when they heard the piano open up that song, their eyes would get big and they would say, oh yeah, praise God for it. And they knew, hey, hey, it's my, I'm on. It's my turn now. I know this part. And they would, um, they would do it. Um, such that my son would then put other words to worship music when we were in public. Um, my wife uh, would push him around Walmart. And uh, he would be in the uh, um, basket. He'd be in the, um, what's it called? The, the grocery cart. That's right. <laughs> in the deep south, he called it a buggy. Uh, but I was trying to say buggy. So um, you put him in the grocery cart, and uh, he would put any words that came to his mind to the, the service music. So one time she was getting popcorn chicken, and he would belt out, popcorn chicken, popcorn chicken. Well, that was the amen, uh, but that's how that music became a, a part of his DNA, and these are the little things that we, we have video of that. I've got the receipts. I can show you. We got, the, we got the video of him at like a year and a half, two years old, belting out popcorn chicken to the amen. Um, but you're, what you're doing is you're taking these little parts. So Tuesday is all about repentance. It's all about forgiveness. It's all about um, um, making things right. And you pray the prayer of uh, forgiveness with them and you um, sing the sanctus, learn, learn the sanctus. Wednesday... Well, that's the middle section of worship. You consider the scripture reading where God speaks and when God speaks, you listen. So I'm gonna read you the lesson from this past Sunday or I'm gonna read you the gospel reading and I want everybody to be quiet. I don't want everybody to listen closely, mouths closed, ears open. Another time to practice being quiet and, and sitting still. God is speaking to us through his word. We also talk about what, what comes after that. Well, we have the offering uh, what are we going to give this week? Are we going to give a quarter? Are we going to give a dollar? Do you, do you um, um, give, give your children something to give, um, some token of a gift uh, back to the Lord? And that's where the doxology comes as well. So on Wednesday, you can um, make sure they know the doxology. And Thursday, Thursday, we talk about the Lord's table. 
And we talk about our family table. It's Table Manners Day. Thursday's Table Manners Day. What table manners are we working on this week? I can talk about my son all day long because he's not here. Uh, he's working tonight. But um, th- I remember training him to sit at the table. What, what a great achievement it was when we finally got him to come to the table with pants on. That was just such a big deal. This, if you would just show up with pants on, um, that, would, that would be great. Uh, wear, you know, uh, sit on your bottom, chew with your mouth closed. What, the, what we're, tra- we're training at home for the kind of behavior we want to see in public. Use the serving utensils. Don't talk with your mouth full. These kinds of things. Talk about manners at the Lord's table as well. What kind of manners do we want to show at the Lord's table? And then we can sing the Lord's Prayer and we can learn the Apostles' Creed. That's on Thursday. Again, we're just walking through parts of the liturgy day by day. And then Friday, we talk about the Lord's blessing. All the things God has given us, all the things he's done for our family. What do we have to be thankful for? What has God given us this week? What do we need to stop grumbling about? What do we need to stop complaining about? Where have we been whining? And how do we stop whining? And, um, and, and how do we quit whining? And then we sing the Gloria Patri, and you read the benediction over your children. You sing the amen uh, over them. That is just a really quick look at a, kind of a five-day curriculum. Maybe you don't want to use that for the rest of your life, but maybe there's a time with your children and your children's frame where that would be really helpful to grow them in all of the little parts of the liturgy that they can participate in, and they look forward to it. Every little bit is training them for, for Sunday. And again, when you get to worship, all the things you've been talking about, it goes, it goes live. Here, it's time to sing the Sanctus. It's time to say the Creed. It's time to confess our sins. It's time to give to God. You're building into them a love for what we do. Again, what I said last week, we don't want to boil kids in the... Uh, uh, mother's milk. That's not what we're, we're doing. We want them to love this and to embrace it. So um, we, we want it to get woven into their personality. All right, that was the last little bit that, that I had. Uh, with just a couple of minutes I have left, is there any, are there any encouragements that seasoned parents can give to uh, newer parents? Are there any encouragements that I missed 